Well, I may be the only one in the room that's ever felt this way, but I don't know if you've ever been to a family reunion and thought as you're standing there or sitting at your family reunion, man, I think my family's got some issues. Um, I don't know. I may be the only one that's felt that way. But um, one time uh, we go to this family reunion in Tallahena. I love having family from Tallahena, Oklahoma, because if Russia ever takes over or comes to conquer our country, they're not going to Tallahena because those folks know some stuff. It's in southeastern Oklahoma, and, and it's, it's pretty awesome. Rhonda Cole, I think you're from that area. I know. See, you know stuff. Rhonda's running our, our tech stuff, so who knows what she's going to put on the screen. Um, but... Uh, you know, we're at this family reunion, and, and our kids are little, and Robin goes up to one of our little cousins that we had just met and goes, oh, it's so good to meet you. This Emily, this is your cousin. And she's like, oh, she's playing with a little rabbit. And, uh, and Robin's like, oh, I love your rabbit. What's your rabbit's name? She goes, oh, it's Bugsy. Oh, it's so cute. Where'd you get it? I stole it. <laughs> and Robin's like, Okay, great. Oh, super. Emily, this is your cousin, and have fun playing with Bugsy. Don't steal rabbits, but let's go. It's going to be all right. And, uh, uh, but, but, you know, family, um, all of us have families that we struggle sometimes, right? Uh, this week I was talking to, or last week I was talking to Andy Coleman, who's a, a member of our church, and Andy is one of the bravest believers I've ever met. He uh, has been with Voice of the Martyrs, and he goes to the Middle East all the time uh, and, and shares the gospel with Muslims and in, in really hostile areas. And, and he would say, he told me that a lot of Muslims would say, I'm not going to read the Bible because the Bible is just this uh, promotion of the Jewish people. But then they would read the Bible and go, man, if they're promoting themselves, they've done a really bad job because it's so honest. And this morning, if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis 38. And, and this is an awkward passage of Scripture. It's very awkward. And even when I was talking to my wife about, okay, I'm going to preach on the Judah interlude in Genesis 38, she's like, what, how are you going to preach that? I go, I don't know, so we'll see. So we'll see today how this goes. But, um, but it's just an awkward passage. Uh, last week, Rob Lewis uh, here at this campus and then Brennan, uh, who baptized today, our beardless Brennan now, uh, he, uh, he pre they started the story of Joseph. In Genesis 37, we start with the story of Joseph. And it's interesting because the story of Joseph covers from Genesis 37 to Genesis 50. So God gives a lot of press to the story of Joseph, and he starts the story of Joseph in Genesis 37. And then, and then we run into Genesis 38, where God just says, time out on the story of Joseph, and we're going to talk about one of Joseph's brothers named Judah. Now, now this is an amazing story. And I want you to realize something, and one of the things I pray we get today is that no matter what you've done, God can restore you. There, there is not a heart that God cannot change. Repentance and obedience to God will radically transform your life for the good. And, 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 you know, if you rebel against the voice of God, if you rebel against what God says, it will radically devastate you. And, and you know, we just sang a, a, an incredible song that he's our cornerstone. 
And, and, and you know, Jesus is our, the cornerstone of our lives. That, that he strengthens us, he helps us. And following him is the greatest thing you'll ever do. Trusting Christ is the, is the, is the greatest adventure you'll ever take and, and the best thing you can do. And I, it's my prayer that today, as we rub shoulders with this incredible man, Judah, and this story, that's this really awkward story, that God helps us see that no matter where we've been, God can change us. God can redeem our situation. So it's interesting. So would you stand with me and let's read Genesis 38. And we're going to read together 1 through 6, but I want you to stay with me through this whole chapter because it's so awkward and interesting. Verse 1. It happened at that time that Judah went down from his brothers and turned aside to a certain Adolamite whose name was Hira. There Judah saw the daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua. He took her and went into her, and she conceived and bore a son. And he called his name Ur. She conceived again and bore a son, and she called his name Onan. Yet again she bore a son and called his name Shelah. Judah was in Chezeb, which when she bore him, and Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. And this is the word of the Lord. Okay, you may be seated. Now, okay, now stay with me, because we're going to walk through this, this passage. And it's interesting, because a lot of commentaries make, a, make an assumption, okay, what, what's going on here? Why would, why would the Bible just suddenly shift to Judah? And we've got to understand the, the Bible is, a, is the story of Christ. It's the story of God coming to save the world. That's why God gave us his word. Old Testament and New Testament is this incredible picture of Jesus coming to rescue us. And so in this story, God is very intentional about making this awkward shift. And some people have said, okay, you're, you're comparing the, the good son Judah, or excuse me, Joseph, this, this amazing example of faith, which Joseph is this incredible story of faith. We're going to end it next week, end this series next week with finishing up the story of Joseph. We saw Joseph last week. And, 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 and it's this comparison between a good son Joseph and a bad son Judah. Some people say that. But um, Judah's name, it's interesting because it means praise. But, but when you look at this Genesis 38, it's, he's not given much praise to the Lord. And, and, and this is uh, an incredible story. Look back at verse 1. Okay, remember last week, Judah had been with his brothers. They sold Joseph into slavery. So now Joseph is gone. They profited off his life. And, and now about that time, it happened at that time, Judah went down from his brothers and turned aside to a certain Adolamite uh, whose name was Hira. Now, now Judah's being, he's rebelling. He's like, he goes back home, and for whatever reason, he looks at his dad, he looks at his faith, he looks at his family and says, I'm out of here, man. I'm, I'm sick of this, and, and I'm, I'm leaving. And he bails on his whole heritage right here. And he's like, and so he runs away. And, and I don't know how many, maybe you've done that. Maybe you've, you've looked at the way you've been raised and said, man, I, I'm not following this. 
And, and, and you know, the statistics say it was, it was awesome this week. We were talking to our student ministry about uh, our student, Brennan and Joe and, and our guys that work with our students and, and about all of our college kids who are walking with the Lord. And statistics say that a lot of our kids, when they grow up in church, they bail on the Lord. They bail on their faith. And, and I'm grateful that we're seeing some of our kids that grew up in our ministry walk with Jesus. And I, but, but, but the truth is some of them rebel. rebel. Some of them bail on God. That's what, that's what Judah did. He's, he's out of here, and he leaves, and, and, he goes and, mar- and, and he goes to this friend, this buddy who's not a good influence, this Hira the Adulamite. And, and, he, and he goes to another land, the land of Canaan, and he marries a Canaanite woman. So he not only rebels against dad and said, Dad, I'm leaving you. I'm going to go marry somebody I shouldn't marry. You know, the Bible talks about don't be unequally yoked, which means as a Christian, you, we should not marry. Our, my, my children should not marry a non-believer. And, and, and that's important. That's called unequally yoked. And what Judah does, he goes and marries somebody he shouldn't and has three boys. And you see him, Ur, his first son, uh, his second son, Onan, and his third son, Sheila, maybe he wanted a girl, so he's like, Sheila, I don't know, um, um, just a thought. But um, so he, 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 he's rebelling. Now, there, there's an important lesson here. Point number one is this. I want you to see this. Do you know that sin is progressive? And here's what I mean by that, that when you rebel against God, and if, and if you um, disobey the Lord, that it just continues to snowball and get worse and worse. It progressively gets bad. And that's what you see in the life of Judah. Now, as a youth minister, my, my, when I was growing up, my brother was my youth minister. And he would say this all the time. And, and I've, I've seen it come true in my life, that sin will take you further than you want to go. Do you know that? That sin will always take you further than you want to go. It has a price tag that's higher than you want to pay. And it will keep you longer than you want to stay. And that is true about sin and rebellion. And, and so really today, if, if, if that's where you are, I, I just want to be in front of you and go, hey, hey, stop. It's not going to work out. Disobeying the voice of God and ignoring God's call, ignoring God's plea will never work out for you. And we see this right here, John 10.10, 10, one of my favorite verses, the thief comes but to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Now look at verse 6. Judah, uh, he, he took a wife for Ur, his firstborn son, her name was Tamar. Now, now this, this verse 7 messes a lot of people up. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord put him to death. Now, the Bible doesn't even describe what he did. I mean, maybe it's, I mean, it's hard to believe that God would, would go, ooh, that's so bad, I can't even put it in there after you read the rest of this story. So I don't know what the, the, the young man did. But the Bible says God put him to death. Now, I know people that go, oh, that's terrible of God. Why, why, how could he do, why should he do that? Well, let me tell you something. God is just. And, and you can go too far. You really can. 
But because you're here, because, because you are in this place, or maybe you're, if you're watching online, you're, you've not gone too far yet. And this is why I want to stand in front of you and go, come to Jesus. Listen to his voice. Um, don't ignore him. Now, for Ur, the Lord just put him to death. And, and, and you know, it's, it's interesting as you, you look at the struggle of Judah's boys, I couldn't help but thinking, man, these guys are acting just like their dad. Because where is their dad? Their dad is rebelling. And, and, and you know, I think about in my own life as a, as a father, how am I influencing my kids? Am I doing that in the right way? I mean, I mean am I doing that in the wrong way? My kids see me. One of, the most th- one of the most convicting things for me as a pastor is, a, is that my kids hear me preach. And then they go home and watch me live. And I'll tell you what, I, I, often um, I have to look at them and say, hey, you know what, I'm sorry. I, they see my mistakes. They know my flaws. Just ask them. They'd, they'd probably tell you, unfortunately. But, um, but, but you know, verse 8, um, Ur is dead. And, and, and Judah, I mean, I, I don't know what it's like to lose a child. But this had to devastate him and break his heart to watch a son that got so wicked, and, but God just killed him. And then Judah said to Onan, this was a custom, that, that was this custom of this time, and, and go into your brother's wife and perform the duty of a brother-in-law to her and raise up offspring for your brother. So I, I want you to, you've got to now, Onan, You've got to take Tamar as your wife. And, and when you have a child, uh, this child will bear the name of your brother, not you. And that was the custom. But Onan knew, verse, verse 9, Onan knew, Onan knew the offspring would not be his. So whenever he went into his brother's wife, um, he would waste the semen on the ground so as not to give the offspring to his brother. And, and look at verse 10. And what he did was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and he put him to death also. Now, there's a lot of debate on this passage. This, is this passage talking about no birth control? And, and a lot of this is a, 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 an argument that in Catholic doctrine they make this argument uh, about anti-birth control with this passage. That's really not the issue that's going on with Onan's life. You can study this if you want. But, but the reality is, Onan is, is wanting pleasure without responsibility. Onan is, is just, he's just wicked. He's just want, he's self-gratifying. And, and the Bible says that he was wicked. God put him to death also. So here's Judah. Oh my goodness, two of his sons have died and both are married to Tamar. Now, now here's something that I want us to see that I, that, um, causes all of us to look at our lives. Do you know that sin produces generational consequences? Do you notice that? You know, like, there are several reasons I um, choose not to drink alcohol. One is my, my grandmother, her brothers were alcoholics. One was killed in a bar fight. One committed suicide all alcohol-related. And I carry this gene in my life where I could, I would be an alcoholic. And so I avoid it. I know the generational uh, problems in, our, in my family, and I would encourage you to evaluate that. You know, think about the, the, 
the hang-ups that you have or the just rebellion that you have. Uh, this is one of the reasons I, we look at couples and say, stay married. Work it out. It's better to stay married if, uh, and, to, and to do everything you can to, to reconcile your marriage. Sin produces generational consequences. Now, now the truth is, Mike Keybone was on our staff. I talked to him this week. I have watched God move in people's lives in such a way they transform the generational consequences of their sin, of their family. And Mike Keybone did that. He was on our staff. He's now the pastor at Cherokee Hills Baptist Church in Oklahoma City. And I want you to know, repentance always does this. And, and, but we have to recognize the generations that generations after us will follow our example. And so if, you don't rec- if we don't recognize that, if, we, if I don't recognize that I will, ra- as a father, I will radically impact the lives of my children, I'm foolish. If I don't recognize that, I mean, one day when I have grandchildren, my life, my example will radically impact the generations that follow me. We gotta, we gotta see that. Verse 11. Judah's got two sons that are dead. He said to Tamar, his daughter in law, Remain a widow in your father's household till Shelah, my son, grows up. For he feared that he would die like his brother. So Tamar went and remained in his father's house. So, so Judah's like, Okay, look, lady, two of my sons have been married to you. And so you go home. Okay, you get it, you go home and I'll call you when Sheila, I'll call you. I'll call you. You don't call me, I'll call you. Okay? So he's nervous about this. He's like, you just go home. And, and so he sends her away. Now, now I think that that he's understanding and maybe beginning to recognize, maybe he's not right now, but but you know that we I I will reap what I sow, right? Judah has sown all this disobedience and, and this he's left his home he's rebelled against this and and you know we, we know this and this is just basic scripture that that do like Galatians 6 uh, 7 and 8 do not be deceived God is not mocked uh, for whatever one sows that he will also reap for the one who sows to his own flesh will also reap corruption but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life we reap what we sow now, point number two, it gets worse because, and I want us to see this. This is sin is progressive. Do you know that rebellion is always devastating? Rebellion will be devastating to you. Rebelling against God's voice will be devastating to you. And, and you know, it's, it's funny to me. It's crazy to me because, uh, you know, we, we live in this world that people don't understand God. And I, I want to be honest with you that, that, that I want you to see God is... is he sees us. What we do matters. The way we live matters. Rebelling against God will devastate you. And it's always that way. Now, verse 12, in, in, in the course of time, you see this devastation get worse, this progression get worse. In the course of time, the wife, the wife of Judah, Shua's daughter, died. Then Judah was comforted, so his wife died, and this Canaanite woman, and and. And he went up to Timnah to his sheep shears, and he and his friend Hira the Adolamite. Now, now we got to see that every time Judah hung out with Hira the Adolamite, it wasn't good, right? 
and, and he knew this. And, 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 and this is a perfect example of you got to pay attention to your friends. You know, who is influencing you? Judah surrounded himself with these bad influences. And, and it, it cost him. And, and, and as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, we're, we're to be the influencers, aren't we? Not the influenced. And, and sometimes we, we miss that. And sometimes we allow people from the world to, to influence us. And, and Judah struggled with this. Verse 13, when Tamar was told, your father is going up to Timnah, to shear his sheep, she knew, okay, hey, this is an opportunity because I know he's with, with, with his, his buddy, the Adolamite, so, hey, I can trap him, and she does. She took off her widow's garments and covered herself with a veil, wrapping herself up and set at the entrance to the Inane, which is on the road to Timnah. For she saw that Shelah was grown up and she had not been given to him in marriage. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute for she had covered her face. So she disguises herself as a prostitute. She covers her face, and then all of a sudden, verse 16, he turned to her at the roadside and said, Come, let me come into you, for he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. And she said, What will you give me that you may come into me? And he answered, I will send you a young goat from the flock. So basically, he's like, she's like, uh, he's like, hey, I don't have my MasterCard with me. I don't have my Visa with me. My wallet's not here. Sorry. Hey, can, can I go ahead and do this? And, and, and she's like, no, no. I'm not, what are you, what are, how, how are you going to prove that you're going you're gonna to give me a pledge? He, he said, I'll, I'll give you a pledge. Verse 18, he said, what pledge shall I give you? She replied, your signet and your cord and your staff that's in your hand. So he gave them to her and he went into her and she conceived by him. Now, my wife made, made sure I said this because the Bible doesn't say you shouldn't visit prostitutes. But let me just say, you should not visit prostitutes, okay? Um, this is not a good plan. For your life. And now it doesn't say right here. It, it references that many times. Let me clarify. But, but, but look at this. She says, I need your signet ring. I need your cord. I need, uh, I need your staff that's in your hand. Do you know what these represent for Judah? The, the, the signet represents his prestige, his authority. When they would sign a letter, they would put his signet ring there. That represents his authority, his signature, his name. The cord held everything together. The staff represented his, his, his power. Now look at this. She says, if you want to have sex with me, you've got to give me everything. Do you know that's what sin takes from you? Do you know that Satan will rob you of everything valuable to you? Satan is, is sly. He's patient. He will rob you of everything. And that's exactly what he did. Do you, he, I mean, this is so incredibly costly. And, 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 you know, I've seen this over and over again as uh, in, in my own life. I think about the cost of, of bailing on my wife in my life, the cost of, of, of immorality. It's, it's so costly. And maybe you're here and you're flirting with an affair. 
oh, maybe I should have that affair. My wife's not as exciting. Or build a good marriage. Build the excitement in your marriage. It will devastate you. It will cost you everything. And this is what we see here. It's devastating. And verse 20 is so interesting. When Judah, Judah gives him everything, he gives her everything, she, she leaves. And she, verse 20, uh, he, he goes to send the young goat by his friend the Adulamite to take back the pledge from the woman's hand. And he did not find her. And he asked the men of the place, where is the cult prostitute who is in a name at the roadside? And they said, no cult, cult prostitute has been here. So he returned to Judah and said, I've not found her. Also the men of that place said, no cult prostitute is here. Judah replied, let, them, let her keep the things as her own, or we shall be laughed at. You see, I sent this young goat, and, he, and you did not find her. He's, he's, like, he's like, okay, oh, no, boy, I could be shamed here. Man, he, he's, he's like, oh, oh, uh-oh, we can't find her. She's got everything of mine. And here's, here's something that's important. Do you know that private sins will eventually come out in public? That what you do privately matters? And this is why I pray that we are a people that recognize Satan will, Satan's attack, Satan's strategy. He will come at us and say, see, nobody's looking at this. Nobody sees this. You can keep this hidden. But here's the reality. Private sins come out in public. And it does it every time. Verse 24, about three months later, Judah was told, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has been immoral. Moreover, she is pregnant by immorality. And look what Judah said. He said, bring her out and let her be burned. And she was brought out. She sent word to her father-in-law, by the man whom these belong, I am pregnant. And she says, please identify whose these are, the signet and the cord and the staff. Then Judah identified them. Isn't it interesting, interesting those of us in the church, we got to hear this. Sometimes those of us in the church go, oh, look at that. We get all self-righteous. And, and do you know that self-righteousness is a warning sign to confront in our own lives? Look at Judah here. He's all self-righteous. Like, oh, let's, let's bring her out. Let's burn her. But yet he wasn't honest about his own sin. I love Keith Davis has a brother, Clay, who is incredibly creative. He's a, he's a movie producer in L.A. And he, he used to travel around and go to churches and do skits. And, and I hired him when I was in Ada. And their, their group came in and did skits. And they had this hilarious skit about uh, the, 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 you know, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, don't, don't look at the speck in your brother's eye when you have a log in your own. And they rigged up this thing and had this huge log sticking out of their face. It was just so funny. It was just a way to illustrate it. And they were walking around this big old log sticking out of their face. And... But sometimes that's, the, sometimes that's the case in the church. We, we, we go, oh, we are so self-righteous. Let's burn that girl while ignoring our own sin. And that's why I pray that we recognize the grace of God, that we, are, we have been given so much forgiveness and so much grace that, that we recognize, we, we don't lose sight of the fact that we've been forgiven much. And so because we've been forgiven so much, we're compelled to be forgiving. And 
But verse 27, he, or verse 26, he was like, wait a minute. She is more righteous than I, since I did not give her my son Sheila, and he did not know her again. Verse 27 is so interesting. When the time of her labor came, now this is very important, notice this. There were twins in her womb. And when she was in labor, one put out a hand, and the midwife took it and tied a scarlet thread on his hand, saying, this one came out first. But as he drew back his hand, behold, his brother came out. And she said, what a breach you have made for yourself. Therefore, his name was called Perez. Afterward, his brother came out with a scarlet thread on his hand, and his name was called Zerah. There's lots of interesting parallel here of the younger brother taking the rights of the older brother. We've seen this all through this series if you've been with us. But this pregnancy from Judah and his daughter-in-law. Now, when you really see the story of Judah, and we're going to wrap up here, um, it's fascinating. We don't really, God doesn't tell us the, transfer, the full transformation of Judah. But do you know what we know about Judah is, is he changes. He goes back home to his dad. And, and he's, he, we find him again as, as Genesis 39 unfolds and as, as, as the story of Joseph unfolds, Judah is now back at home. And, and his grandsons, now, or his, his sons now, from, his, from, his, from this scandal of his daughter-in-law are being raised in his home. And he goes back home. And, and we see all through, and there's some interesting parts. I would encourage you to go back and look at the story of Joseph and notice Judah's response as he comes back to his father and loves his, bro, his father. We'll look next week a little bit at Judah's response. But, but, but I want to I flip ahead and look, turn to Genesis 49. This is the moment that, that his father is dying, and he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless Judah. Here's how we know about his transformation. Uh, his father is dying, he looks at Judah and he says in verse 8 through 10, Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. Now, now he's talking about him, his father, he's talking about himself. Judah, my, all of my sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub, Judah. You return from prey, my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, who dares to rouse him? Verse 10, the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet. So he's basically, Judah, you're going to be a king. Kings are going to come from you. Um, you're going to be the ruler until he whom it belongs shall come and the obedience of the nation shall be his. So, so you see this amazing transformation of Judah. He, he, is, he is now come back to, his, to repentance. And you see this, though it's, um, we don't know how it happened. We know it did happen. God changed his heart. He became this amazing leader and out of him comes kings. Now there's one more thing that I'm still trying to wrap my head around. 
and I don't fully understand this, but turn over to Matthew chapter 1. The Gospel of Matthew, it's so interesting here because Matthew is writing to the Jews. And the story of Joseph is so remarkable. And you think about the man Joseph was such a man of faith and such an example that God is faithful and, 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 and is obviously the greatest son of all the brothers here. Joseph had to have been. But look at Matthew chapter 2. Excuse me, excuse me, chapter 1, verse 2. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Out of this scandalous mistake came the Messiah, came the one who would rescue us from our sins. You know what it tells me? That there's not a heart that can't be changed by God. Did you walk in here with a heart that is, a hand that is stiff-arming God? Can I just be in front of you and say, look, he loves you. He came for you. And can I just stand in front of you and, 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 and we, we don't know all the details. We don't know how it all happened. But, but you know what we see? Repentance and obedience can overcome devastating failures and mistakes. You may be here today and say, you know what? You don't know what I've done, Chris. You don't know the mistakes I've made, and, and you're right. But I see this man, Judah, who betrayed his brother, who rebelled against his father, who disobeyed God countless times, who ran away from the Lord, and he returned. And repentance and obedience changed his destiny. Point number three, I don't know if I said it, that repentance changes the destiny of generations. What's your legacy? What legacy are you leaving this world? Would you turn to Jesus today? God has brought you here for this message for a reason. Would you come to him? Because his sacrifice on the cross is greater than your mistakes and your failures. Jesus can rescue you and restore you. Oh, would you come to him? We're going to have an invitation. And our altars are going to be open. And we just invite you. Maybe you want to come and talk to somebody. We'll take you outside of this room and talk to you and help you see what God's word says. Maybe you need to come and get on your knees and say, God, I'm coming back to you. Would you come to Jesus today?